Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, America. This is Willie Jones, author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio. Thank you for tuning in this Sunday, October 9th, for another segment of BJ Speaks. On this show, we title it BJ Speaks, Paranormal Hour, a tribute to horror and suspense. It is the season, an awesome season, a season for ghosts, for great tales, and above all, for tricks or treats. Today's segment is dedicated to not only the discussing what it means to celebrate the paranormal or celebrate Halloween, but even more so how to write about it and why it continues to be one of the most highly praised, if not sought after, sought after genre in, the literary, in literary history. If at any time you'd like to speak to me during, the, during this live broadcast, you may call me at 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347 347- Five three nine five three seven two, and if you'd prefer to email me your questions, comments, or requests, you may do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail dot com. Everydayfolkslisten at gmail dot com. Before I get started, I'd like to send a special shout out to a few individuals. First, to my dear colleague Anike, who has her next show, Journey into Passion with Anike, at a new time now on Saturdays selects every other Saturday of the month. This coming Saturday, October 15th, will be her next segment. So do tune in right here on Everyday Folks Radio. As well, our girls with our team keeping up with K-pop will be coming back on air this coming Friday at 1 p.m. as well, Eastern Standard Time. In addition, for those of you who are interested in getting into the season, this Friday, October 14th, I and my student leaders and representatives of my student organization at Broward College titled Writing Out Loud will be visiting the Stranahan House from 12 to 2. The first hour we will be touring the facility and then the second hour will be a creative hour in the space. So if you are a writer, a musician, a poet, a photographer, whatever, it is a great opportunity for you to come out and be part of our experience and to see what muse or what the environment it evokes in you in order to write or produce your art form. As well on October 31st, just a reminder for those who are interested, we will be hosting at 12.45 p.m. at Broward College a live dark readings. Students, faculty, and staff will be celebrating a tribute to Halloween by reading authentic works. And lastly, I'd be remiss if I I did not recognize all the families and individuals who have been impacted by the recent Hurricane Matthew. Our heart goes out to those, especially in Haiti and the Caribbean, and as well as those up the East Coast of America who continue to be pummeled by this storm. For those who made it out, fantastic. For those of you who've also been watching, and as well as those who survived, please donate to those causes that are out there. There are numerous and I'll try to place a couple on my own site to support the causes of individuals, especially those that are in the Caribbean. And lastly, congrats to the South Florida Rights Association. It continues to produce wonderful workshops and activities for folks who are pro writers, novice writers, and the like. It's great 
in the community of other writers, and I thank my colleagues, some of which who are listening at this time. So what is today's show about? This paranormal hour actually is for us to discuss what is horror and why is fear so important? And above all, how can we write about it? And what are some of the exciting places where one could go to get inspired to write about the topic? Before I begin, I'd like to share a, a few facts that relate to this interesting topic. It's interesting because many of my many of my colleagues who write, most of us, we write fiction, but very few of us write in the genre of, 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 of horror or suspense. And do be advised that horror and suspense are two different genres, but there is a point where, there's a focal point where the two overlap. So here's some interesting facts with some of the greats in the field. First, Stephen King. He made this recent quote, and I thought it would be very appropriate to read here on air. We make up horrors in order to cope with the real ones. Or the legendary Edgar Allan Poe, who one would say is the father of horror and suspense, when in truth he is actually the, horror, the father of the short story, the modern American short story writing. And he says, believe only half of what you see and nothing that you hear. And H.P. Lovecraft, many of you may not know who he is, but H.P. Lovecraft is also a pioneer of the 19th century of, of classic horror. And he wrote some really good stuff. But one of my favorite, well, for those of you who are in our, those of you who are listening who may have a, a modern connection to him, you probably would connect him with someone of the light, such as Clyde Barker, who is the author of the Heart and the Hellraiser line with Pinhead and his Cenobites and all of those individuals. He states the following in his work. From the greatest of horrors, irony is seldom absent. Halloween is the second highest grossing commercial holiday in America right after Christmas. And one may not realize this, but Halloween didn't originate here. Some contend that it actually came over from Great Britain. But actually, from the historical research that I've conducted, it actually originated from Ireland from a place in Ireland called Samhain. And for those of you who have the fear of Halloween, there's actual a fo- actually a phobia that relates to it. That's called Samhain phobia, which is the fear of Halloween. Some folks don't get into it for whatever reasons. I personally grew up in a family where Halloween was celebrated. I remember wearing those polyester and plastic costumes with those very uncomfortable masks during the 80s, going out trick-or-treating, being upset one particular Halloween with the fact that I could not go trick-or-treating because it rained all night long and being a part of all the festivities. Fall is a great time to be out, especially if you're living in South Florida. Other, unfortunately, we don't see the, we don't get the chance to see the change of, of seasons, but we do get a sense of what fall is like and living in a progressive city, there are, there are tales, there are scary tales, especially in a community where there are millions of people. It's easy for us to equate a, a scary tale with a smaller, more rural community where there are fewer people and people your neighbor may live a mile away. But horror takes place in all forms and locations, whether it be day or night, large or small. So South Florida is known and does have its share of uncanny tales as it pertains to the topic. Something to know about horror and suspense that works, that people should be aware of. Usually and historically, Horror goes like this. There is a protagonist, which is the main character who's receiving the conflict, and there's an antagonist, 
a main character or entity that causes it. Sometimes that antagonist can be another person. Sometimes it can be another supernatural entity. And sometimes it can be oneself or all three. Secondly, there is the notion of the damsel in distress that the overpowering evil is so and it is so strong that people are, that the good is incapable of fighting it. And so the entire storyline of most scary stories, it unfolds as um, with the good trying to overcome or escape that evil. Very few stories, believe it or not, historically actually allow the, the good to win. Evil usually prevails. And in many of the folklore tales, when it comes to scary stories, many of the, there are many tragic things for many of the stories story characters. Much of more modern tech, modern storylines seem to revolve around children. And when you look at classic movies such as Poltergeist or look at other indiv- uh, other movies, silver, uh, silver screen movies of that nature, you'll see that there's this manifestation of, of the evil and how it wants to attract itself to children. It doesn't help that movies like Exorcism came, Exorcist came out back in the 70s which where, where you have the devil manifesting himself inside a 16-year-old girl. So there's always been this fascination that the innocent, the more innocent, and usually a girl is, is often the sought-after house or host for the evil. Even more so in more recent years, if a boy were the focus, he's usually the murderer or at least the culprit or some deceased kid who wants to come back and connect with the living. So he, all of these paradigms, I think what's happened today because of technology is that there's so many angles to go on. There's a new movie out right now called Ouija. There have been so many movies made before that were a Ouija. I can name at least four movies that have the word exorcist, the exorcism of Emily Rose, for instance. There's an exorcist of some other girl who I saw recently on YouTube. So there are all these re- these remakes. And above all, there are all these interests to keep people on edge each generation has its own, puts its own spin on classic horror. And so in my time, for instance, Poltergeist scared the hell out of me. But today, if you ask students, when they, we, we, could, we could see, for instance, in the movie Blair Witch, but there is an overlapping of two worlds. Blair Witch was originally created by and for Generation X, but now it's been reintroduced at the silver, on the silver screen to bring in a new audience. So these storylines are fascinating. One thing is true, though. A good story has to evoke, a good scary story has to evoke all the human senses. So whether you decide to make someone afraid and alone, you can't just show it. You have to evoke your auditory skills, what you hear, what one tastes. Think about those times when you're afraid. Think about those times when when you are in moments of fear. How does that feel? If you had to describe it in three or four lines or sentences, if not words, how would that be described? So the key is that when you're evoking the human senses, some of the words in the, in the verbiage, it's actually pretty short. Because when you're in moments of fear, you're not thinking in long and hot spurts of ideas. So therefore, your action, your descriptors also have to match and suit that, suit that form. As I can rant on for hours about this topic, those of you who are interested in speaking to me, you can call me at 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. And for those who are emailing me, and I thank you because I'm seeing several of you are emailing me as we speak. I have received prior to this show, and I want to thank you, about 13 to 14 questions are already coming in. And within the next 45 minutes, I will do my best to get them all in. I'd like to start by reading a poem. 
which is called It Knew Me. This poem is still a work in progress, but I think it suits the occasion. I know not about a religion, about being saved or first communion. I hold no degrees in believability or another notions or other notions of truth. But something wicked this way comes. I felt it three years back, one calm summer eve while laying in the sack. First came the footsteps in the night, then the periodic breezes of cold. After the voices and sounds of fright left me with nothing to hold. At the foot of my bed, something was there as if it was supposed to. Too shaken to move, I pierced through the sheets, an indentation like someone was there. Then came the sound of a name, one familiar name I heard long ago. Then it vanished. I don't know what's worse, fearing the thing I cannot stop or its departure once it's left. So in that poem that I wrote, it's the, the thing that visited isn't it. It's all fictional. We all have our tales of horror. About two years ago, my grandmother recalled a time when she visited her aunt. She and my grandfather and my mom and, and aunts and uncles, they were very young. They went to go visit a cousin or a relative who lived out in the woods in, in, in Georgia, actually in Pooler, Georgia, well, Swainsboro, Georgia, which is a smaller town outside of Atlanta. And she would, Pop told her, and everyone was sitting out on the porch, her, the, the aunt's husband had recently passed. And she, Pop told her, which is my grandfather, asked her to go and get, if he could go and put a beer or get a beer from the fridge. So as she went into the house, she said she didn't see anything, but she felt such an immense desire not to be there. There was such a strong presence that either she, that didn't welcome her or she didn't welcome it or maybe both. And she got the hell out of there. And she said she doesn't know what it was, and she refused to go back in that house. And then they did stay over for the night at the house, I believe. I can recall how the story goes. But nonetheless, it was an immense feeling that she'll never forget. I myself, the only time I can recall a story is when I visited a dear colleague of mine. She asked me to go and take her. I had an exterior vehicle at the time and to visit a colleague of hers to pick up some clothes to be donated to the church. And what's interesting in the story is that there were so many, I, I'm not one to, I'm actually not a believer in many of these things. I find it quite more entertaining, more than scared, but I do acknowledge that maybe there are things that are beyond my understanding, as long as they don't reach me. <laughs> but here's how the story goes. So as we arrived to the house, there was a, I parked at the gate. I noticed that the gate was slightly dented and I didn't want to pull all the way up to that gate thinking, of course, the lady who I have not met in before in my life, that maybe she may think I would have hit her fence. So we get to her door, and as she opened the door, she was a widow. She lived alone. Her husband had passed a few years back. Her door opens, and I immediately get so lightheaded that I want to faint. And I didn't tell my colleague at first because I thought maybe this was, this was just one moment and encounter. I'm not wanting to have dizzy spells, nor am I have one to see things or be encountering things of that nature. So we entered a home. She was very welcoming. And I sit down in the most comfortable lounge chair. Again, my head is so lighthearted that I could hardly, I could hardly even stand. Or I could even think. And even my colleague at that time, she noticed it. And she asked me what, if I were okay. And I asked the lady at the point if she had any bottled water. I wasn't uncomfortable with receiving a beverage from her. And she did. And she came back with the water. But then after 20 minutes still sitting there, I could hardly contribute to the conversation because it was just that bothersome. What I was feeling was so strange. 
And so at some point in the conversation, the lady of the house said, well, I'm glad to see you all because I have to tell you what happened last night. And then she proceeds to recount a story that kind of grips me to the, t- to the bones. She says that there was a noise around 11 or 12 at midnight. She went to the bathroom to brush her teeth to go to bed. She heard some noises outside her window of her house. So she turned off the light and she got in the tub and she peered out the window. And as she get, peered out that window, she made out the forms of four young males who looked like they were trying to rob or ransack a house. So then she ducked back down and they walked by her house, but then she moved on. She lived on a corner, by the way. So after a couple of minutes, she peered back out. And this time when she did, she was staring into the eyes of one of those four males. He scared her, but she didn't show fear, but she scared him. And immediately she started turning on all the lights in the house. And then she immediately started yelling, Willie, get the gun. Now, mind you, Willie is her deceased husband. She lived alone. So he broke out of there and she said, well, listen, he broke out of there. And then she opened her front door. She said, come here. He hit that fence, the fence right there, which is where my car had parked. And so she said, she, her daughter came over, the police came out. Everything was okay, but it was hard for her to sleep. And she hadn't seen anyone since the encounter. And her daughter insisted that she come live at her, stay at her house at night, but she didn't want to. So she said at the end, she was just grateful to see people. We got back in the car. I'm on my way back heading north on a turnpike, and the, the headache disappeared. And that was so strange. I don't feel it was any encounter. There was no ghost, but it was just something so unexplained that was very real and very true that I'll never, ever forget. If you have a story that is related to that or like to share others, you're welcome to do so. You can call me on my line at 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. I do have a few emails that have come in, and I'm going to try to get to those that are earlier. So there is one. Actually, I'll read the one that just came in now from a Jacqueline. Jacqueline asked, hey, BJ, thank you for the show. I just wanted to know whether or not that story you just read was true or is another trick of your creativity. Well, Jacqueline, that was a true story. <laughs> it is a true story. I don't make that. I didn't make that one up but definitely is one that is true. And when you're thinking of stories, if you're interested in writing a scary story, I personally love writing, reading scary books and novels when I was a kid, but the older I get, I don't mind watching them on a silver screen, but I'm not buying them as much or reading them. But then every season, like Halloween, I do get in the mood to read something. In fact, over the past three months, I've been reading this really cool book that I found on the J-Hook, the bar, the, actually the bargain bin at Barnes & Noble's near my house. It's titled... Edgar Allan Poe, The Strange Man Standing Deep in, <clears throat> Deep in the Shadows. And it was written, it's written by Charlotte Montague, Montague. And this book was about 10 bucks. It is an awesome depiction of Edgar Allan Poe's family life and as well as his life and then other writers who he influenced. But it's printed and designed like a graphic novel. And I felt it was such a bargain for $9.98 that I'm grateful that I grabbed it. And when I was on a trip to, um, to West Florida, over the summer, I was reading it quite a bit on the car on my journey back. It was a lot of fun to, to, to read and encounter. So I'll post a pic of it, of the cover, and I'll post it on my website for those who are interested. But here is a question that came in. It's from Merrill from West Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you for listening, Merrill. The question is as follows. Stephen King is one of my favorite authors. Who do you like most, BJ? And what aspects of the writer's, the writer's craft do you admire the most? Thank you for that question, Merle, and thanks for wrapping up in West Palm Beach. So 
I like Stephen King as well. When I first, uh, many people don't know this, but when he first came out, he was not Stephen King. He wrote under the name of John Bachman, and he wrote the Bachman Tales. And these were short stories. The the movie The Shining, which first became a book and later a movie, it was one of those tales in that book. And as well as a few others, like a Hints of a, a Pet Cemetery, Hints of Thinner, I think, was in there as well. And each of these stories he wrote under the pseudonym John Bachman because he didn't know how, what kind of a bite these, his books would get. And so I love Stephen King because he's just so weird. And he's become such a pulp icon. And he is still sought after and called on to sets of other scary movies to this day. And he's one of the few authors in the world who actually lives in the top five percentile, the top five percent list, the A-list of writing, who can actually make a living fully full-time off of their work. So he is one of my favorites as well. My favorite story by him, I would say, is uh, is is Pet Cemetery. I think it's gruesome. The fact that you have a a a family whose pet dies, they buried in the pet cemetery, which is on the Indian burial ground, and then that cat comes back, and he doesn't come back as normally. He wants to kill, and so then they have a tragic circumstance where the little boy is hit by a big rig. They bury him in a pet cemetery, and he comes back, but not as he, one would expect. They all come back murderous. So Pet Cemetery is a really cool, creepy kind of movie. It's easy for us to look at some of the more pop cultural icon movies, such as uh, It with the clown. In fact, there have been several sightings, and police are having issues this season with a number of clown sightings, people dressed as clowns, sitting in a, with balloons in odd places and popping up in woods by people's homes. There's some creepos out there who are playing with this It theme quite well. So definitely It even though the storyline to me wasn't one of Stephen King's favorite, it works. And I love The Shining. I think it was a great story. Stephen King actually wrote that. He was visiting a lodge, and I can't recall where, but he was at a lodge and he was walking around the halls and he said, wow, this lodge is so huge and vast. And he was on vacation at a ski resort with his family and the lodge was well occupied. He said, this would be a great setting for a scary movie and for a book. And that's when he started writing The Shining. And so, and Jack Nicholson, who people don't know this he actually became was was he was dark casted people did not want to cast him because he played his role so well in a movie as 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 jack his as johnny in the movie that people did not want to cast him because he was so eerie so talk about stephen king having a way having an impact on someone's career (laughs) but there are other authors as well i do love clive barker clive barker is a great author his pinhead lit line and the Hellraiser, Hellbound line is quite gruesome. It's crazy. It's twisted. It's sadistic. I love it. As well as H.P. Lovecraft, who I feel is just as twisted as he. These are some of my favorites as well. I did like. I do. I do pay homage to people like Anne Rice, who wrote the interview with a vampire. I prefer Queen of the Damned or or, or Lestat as her, her her classic works. So she too, and her son who's also an author as well, who writes vampire lore. So these are great individuals who I think have contributed really to the field. And what aspects of the writer's craft do I admire? I love the fact, I'll say this about Anne Rice. Anne Rice is great, but she can write description for days and days and days. She could spend a day talking about a tree, for instance, or getting it so wrapped up into the historical history of things that at point at some point for me I kind of get lost and I have to read things again. So I but I do admire her sense of, of historical detail and context that she brings. 
much the same as Stephen King. He just has these really cool one-liners um, that I think are great. Or in Clyde Barker, when Hel- when Pinhead speaks, the things that he says. And there was a scene in one of his books where they're in church and Pinhead comes in and he wreaks havoc. He's summoned, by the way, when you solve the riddle of his box, he comes, he cooks hooks in you and you die. And he there's a scene in one of the books where this man is in a church and Pinhead is coming for him there. And Pinhead throws off the, the Bible, throws all the items off of the altar. He holds his hands up like Jesus with stigmata in his hand and he says, I am the way. And I thought that was one of the creepiest lines, especially for something so hell horrific as as Kai Barker could only create. So thank you for that question. I do have another question from Maria here from Miami, Florida. And Maria asks the following. Thank you for listening, Maria, right here in our hometown. Maria wants to know, she reads, writes the following. My family is very superstitious and holds on to many tales of horror that center around our grandparents' property back in the Dominican Republic. At some point, I want to write a story about that place. Any tips that I should consider? Thank you, Maria, for that question. There are some things that you have to do. I always say this. When you're writing, if you're writing about real, even if it's fiction, you still, it's always fun and always best to keep a sense of believability in what you write. That means you need to do your homework. I'm not sure if you were born in Dominican Republic or if you know that town, you may have one, you may have one birth notion of one that, what that place is, or you may have an inherited uh, idea of what that place is, a borrowed belief of what that town or what that house was about. You need to do your homework. If the house to this day is built and it has five miles of houses around it and it's built on farmland, it needs to stay to that. You need to explain what that means. Just because it's five miles away, it doesn't mean it's desolate and scary, although it makes for a great story. Or if your grandparents are still alive, or perhaps there has been some other um, tragedy that has occurred around or centered on the property. Maybe there may have been some history. I know that in Dominican Republic, you have the Massacre River that separates Haiti and the Dominican Republic. And General Tujissimo, he created all these uh, they called it the Massacre River because there were children and mothers who were murdered, and the river got so bludgeoned with blood that it became the Massacre River. That could be an excellent tie-in if the house, of course, is, is it resides close to that property or to that historic site. Or getting a sense of going there. If you visit the house recently, you could take your one episode, and even as much as you want to be away from the house, you're constantly drawn to it. Ask your grandparents any oral accounts of what the house is about. You have to do your homework and you have to evoke all the human senses in order to make these things work and make them stand out. So I would first suggest that you do your homework. I myself am, am writing a poetry book due out in 2018-19, one of the various historic sites of South Florida. And in this work, I'm, I'm visiting these cool places. I'm doing lots of homework on them. And I visited a couple. And in fact, I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this show that I'll be visiting the Stranahan house this Friday, which I'm really looking forward to, forward to. And so one of the things that I'm doing is taking advantage of the tours that are provided at the facility. And then if there are any pamphlets, if there is a guest store where I can buy novelty gifts or historic book, I can get these things on the web. But whatever I can get that are authentic from the site, I want to get. So I'm sharing with you as well. Don't just go and collect this stuff. 
and use it for five minutes, you have to embed all of these historical facts within the context of your plot. It makes it more believable and it makes it more credible. But do your homework and have fun with it and see where it will take you. If you need any additional help, you can email me at every, everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or you can, um, you can email me there, probably best, or you can check me out on my author page and you can contact me through my contact the author. Thank you for that question. For those of you who are listening, we're now 30 minutes into the show. If you would like to speak to me during this live broadcast, you may do so at 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And if you're shy, as many of you usually are, and you prefer to inbox me as well, you're welcome to do so. But you can do that at it every at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Here come the questions, and I'm going to do my best to get them in. So there is a question that is coming in from one individual, and it's called, uh, his name is Paul from Hollywood, Florida. So listen carefully, because this is pretty long. I am not superstitious, but I swear there is something in my house. I just moved in with my family to a rental property two weeks ago. Things just don't make sense, and they're starting to get my family and me uncomfortable. Sounds are heard at weird hours of the night. Things placed in one spot of the house keep disappearing or placed elsewhere. And then there's the recent shadowy figure hanging out near the stairs. I don't know what to do. Any thoughts are just figments of my imagination. Wait, one more thing. This is a hoax. <laughs> Great show, BJ. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Paul, you little devil. <laughs> Thank you for that that little line, Paul. Paul, I think what you just provided is a great making of a good store a good storyline. I have to share. You should take that, and you may want to consider submitting it to some really cool sites. There are some sites that are available online where you can contribute to a crowdfunded source of story making. That was a great story, and thanks for pulling my leg. <laughs> There are a few others. I'm going to get, go ahead and get them in. This next question comes in from Rockwell from Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening in Orlando, Rockwell, and here is your question. Great show. I appreciate your mentioning Lovecraft and Clive Barker, two of my favorites. What do you think is more disturbing as a setting for a murder that happens in broad daylight in a totally unexpected safe place or a ghost that torments a night while folks are trying to sleep? My response to that is, I think they both make great storylines. It depends where you try to take it. I think today we have so many elements of realism embedded in our world that we can't help but relate to the first idea of some, untra some tragic circumstance happening in uncanny places, such as a school or a movie theater or a gay club. These are all examples of that happening. So to take those, I think it takes us time to take those kinds of situations. I have yet to see any authors, at least in the mainstream, take any of those stories and make them into movies because it would kind of be a little be a little disgraceful and, dis, and, and disrespectful. But I would not be surprised if years pass and we look back on it. And when I'm older and millennial generation is a little older too, there may be a remake or a storyline that ties to it or a TV show or made for TV film, you name it. So, but it doesn't mean you still can't write about it. So I wrote a poem about 
the the tragedy of 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 Pulse nightclub, but I also did it as a tribute, not during Halloween. So it, what I'm saying to you is, put your best foot forward and try not to create things that will be offensive. Although one can safely say there's nothing really non-offensive in horror. And the other storyline in terms of the the scary things that happen at night. Even as children, we had fears of night. Many individuals have fears of night. I myself embrace it. I think I'm at my best sometimes at night. But it's also a fearful time because it is believed as shadows. When there's shadows and things you can't see, your little figments of imagination begin to play on you as a child. And I know some adults who tell me to this day that they don't like to sleep without a nightlight on. I have a couple of colleagues who told me that, actually, and I won't tell you their names. <laughs> but nonetheless, each of the storylines that you pre- presented would both make for great stories. Thank you for that. The next question comes from Donato. I think I'm pronouncing this bit from Palm Beach. Thanks for representing in Palm Beach, Donato, and listening. He says, good show. I'm a chicken for scary, for scary movies, but I love reading a scary story, scary story every now and then and on the web. Do you recommend any websites that I can visit that focus on the fun, scary topic? So yes, Donato, thank you for this question. There are a couple of really cool websites that I came across recently that I encourage you to participate in. One first is from my dear friend, Jay Soul, who is actually online and on air, listening to the show. Thanks for the email, Brother Jay Soul. And in fact, I'm going to try to bring you on air in just a minute where we can talk. I see that you sent me a website. There are a couple others that I want to represent, um, present. The first one is creepypasta.com. Not sure if you heard of it, but it is a crowdfunded website where you can go on and submit an unedited or, or unpublished uh, short story of sorts. As you can imagine, it's quite popular this time of year, but it is one of the first sites that you can put in on the web and it'll come up. And I've been watching them for the past few years. They're doing some really cool stuff on there to keep the horror and suspense lineage rolling. There is another website, and it's called theskybridge.com. Don't know if you know this, but there is a Skylark Bridge that bridges between St. Pete and Tampa. And this website is very, very weird. And let me repeat the site again. It's called theskybridge.com. So this site also, it's an actual, this bridge is a real bridge. It is exceedingly high. And I don't like to drive on it. I feel uncomfortable being on it because it's just too high. And my own fears of acrophobia just play on me. But it is also the site for many suicides. And what the uh, the makers of this site have done, they created a suicide record of every person who's jumped. And I was just on there earlier this today, and there are several accounts of people that were just recently committed suicide on there. They'll put the times. They'll try to put the locations. Obviously, they don't have video footage. But they have all this memorialized graphic stuff that relates to these tragedies. Some people were saved. There were some attempts of saving folks, and they are also recorded there, too. So I thought that was interesting. The Skylark Bridge is also the home in South Florida for some of the most um, the most recent urban stories of, 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 of horror or paranormal activity, because people have claimed seeing all kinds of things when they're driving on it day and night, especially at the night. So definitely, when I, at least for me, I've never been on it at night and don't intend to be. <laughs> but having been on it during the day, I'm too busy trying to go forward and get off of it in order to look left or right to see what I may see. There is one more site called Everything, 
everythingscary.com. And it too is another really cool site where you can crowdfund, people could collaborate and share their own stories. One more for you, Donato. The AmericanFolklore.net, not .com, AmericanFolklore.net. It is an awesome website that talks about scary stories from around America. And it gets historical stories, such as the Bell family. Many people don't realize this, but, you know, Alexander Graham Bell had a very interesting family storyline. And it is believed that his family is cursed, even till this day. And so those who knew Bell South, which later became AT&T, there are all these strange stories that go on or are centered around the history of that family. And it was actually made into a movie called The American Horror, which you can check out online. And it starts Sissy, Sissy Spacek and a few others back about 15 years ago. You should check it out. But there are others as well that you can look at. It even alludes to the, the JFK, uh, the, the Kennedy family, because you've had all these assassinations and these murders and these strange deaths. They, too, are also listed there in the alleged family with the lineage that uh, believe to be cursed. I suggest you check those sites out because those sites in themselves will provide great support for what you're looking for. Thanks for those questions. So I'm going to try to bring on my friend, Jay Soul. Let's see if Jay Soul will join us today. Jay Soul, how are hey. you? Hey, what's going on? I am great. I'm glad that you're able to join me for a brief moment. You know, this is our hour. This is our time of year. And I'm watching your inbox, your, your emails to me on the inbox. You're sending me some really cool stuff. So I'm looking here at this one first site that you provided on haunted places in South Florida. And I noticed every single site you sent me had to do with Florida, actually. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, it's where I'm from Florida. Where did you find these? Uh, just basic Google searches and conversations that mean you've had over the years. Like, there was one particular that caught my attention. Um, Chrome Avenue Detention Center, the old mm-hmm. one, off of Chrome Avenue being haunted, which I believe you did a ghost adventure over there one year. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. I'm looking at and they actually have footage of it here. I'm wa- looking at the site. Folks, I'm going to place these links on my web page because they're really great. And, germ- Jay, so I'm so appreciative that you're, you're sharing this with me. As you know, I'm writing these this this next poetry book on the various historic sites of South Florida, and you're providing me, I'm looking at these two, the Chrome one I'm looking at, and they actually have footage of the actual um, edifice, the building that still was there, because they cleaned that area out. I'm, I don't know if you know this, but they, they gutted that area out, and I think they put something there. I can't recall, but I was I just passed by there recently over the summer on my way back in from the west coast of Florida, but the real story behind that location is really awesome. And I appreciate your sharing that. I've got a question for you. So yes. in all, you, live, you live in Tampa now. And mm-hmm. I went on a ghost tour in Tampa eight years ago when I was there. And it was in St. I want to say it wasn't Tampa. Was it Bradenton? Is that part of Tampa? Uh, I think the ghost tour you did was in Ybor City, if memory serves yes. me correctly. Or yes, St. Pete. One of the two. Because Tampa has a lot of historical history and a lot of, a lot of scary stuff around there. What's your take on it? What's your take on this this fear stuff? I know you. We like it. We go to horror night every year. We celebrate it. But what is your take on it? Do you, do you believe it or is it legitimate? Oh, I actually really believe it. I mean, it's uh, too many people seen they've seen something before. You know, I don't think it's people's imagination. I think parts of it may be exaggerated, but I'm pre- I believe it. I don't test fate. Hmm. But also, 
one of the things I also wanted to send you was kind of kind of off topic, but it's kind of in that folklore genre, which you know, I mean, you've talked many of times about Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I, I got it open now. Sent you a link to the BFRO dot net, and it's Bigfoot sightings all through the state of Florida and all through the United States, and it breaks it down by county as well. Okay. Um, some pretty interesting um, tales there as well. Yeah, and I'm noticing, I'm looking at the site as we speak, and I'm noticing that in, in date, there are, <laughs> as of June 2015, there was, there was a sighting of Bigfoot. I mean, maybe it was my uncle. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the more north you go or the more west you go, the sightings increase. Like, for instance, Collier County has 21. In Collier County, that's going towards um, Naples. Like yes, Marco Naples. Island, Naples, they have like 16 sightings. So I could only imagine with the, with the natural terrainal features there what that would do. And I also noticed that in, let's see, there's one more. Polk County also has a high um, sighting record as well. And the last sighting there was in October 2014. And I'm noticing here, and this is a really awesome site. I, folks, you have to see this. I'm going to send you the BFRO. It's the website that JSO just sent me is called www.bfro.net. I'll post a link on my website. It is a really good website for information. And it's, I've heard JSO something similar that people are doing for Chupacabra in the, in the, in the Jersey devil. And yes, also for Slenderman. Yes. Like I, I heard this and I haven't, if you come across those do send them my way because each of those folk tales are tales nonetheless that people are are fascinated with and their movies and their pranks on YouTube for each of them. But I always say to myself, at some point, you know, who the, the truth has to come out. And, and whether it be the the fact that someone comes forward and said it's a hoax, but it's so funny that we live in the times that we do and things are not what they seem to be. People are these these sightings continue to occur. So I appreciate that inf- that insight. I got a question. For oh you. no! Yes. One one question before you you comment. You and I both were at Halloween Horror Night literally a day apart. Yes. And for folks who are listening, if you've never gone to Halloween Horror Night, Jay Soul and I went to the very our first Halloween Horror Night experience together back in 1996, and it was fun. It was so much fun. So we both had a chance over the years to go back and visit. So now that we're older and more and much wiser, <laughs> we now can take in the experience. I would love to get your feedback on air what you thought that was. How was your experience for, on the trip? My wife and I had an excellent time, which you know my wife for many years. She's a scaredy pants. Yes. And she didn't want to go, but she ended up really enjoying herself. Uh, I mean, the haunted houses have gotten more vivid more realistic. I think they pushed the envelope. I wish they pushed it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they still have to keep a family, a family rating to it. Uh, I would suggest Fast Pass. <laughs> that will save you from a three-hour wait. Yes. yes. And American Horror Story, hands down, that was probably one of the best haunted houses I've, I have ever done. It was and when I told you it, about, and I told ahead. you about my Walking Dead story. What what happened? 
Refresh my memory. Now, remember when you go through the haunted house towards the very end, it's kind of like you're walking through a forest. Yes. And there's a strobe light flashing. You can see like little mannequins of zombies and actually live people mixed in. Mm -hmm. This lady actually fell right in front of us. And she was so scared. She was kind of like army crawling out of the haunted house. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because the, the zombies and, and throughout the haunted house, they have, I guess, security. I'm got, you know, they're wearing a black suit. They broke character. They thought it was funny. <laughs> so even they stopped and laughed, right? <laughs> they stopped and laughed and explained to her, you need to get up and walk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you recall, sir, but in the haunted house that we went in, I fell, and I could not find you all. This was years ago, and I'm pulling up, and there was strobe lights. It was all crazy, so I'm thinking I'm pulling up on you or one of our members. I ended up pulling up on the Freddy Krueger, and the guy's yelling at me. He's like, "Get up, get up, you big sissy, get up!" He's yelling at me. So I- the lights, the strobe lights were going crazy, so I just sat and put a, my shirt over my head and just sat in the corner. I didn't know what to do. And so then afterwards, I guess the scene stopped. People were coming through, so I thought it was safe to get up. I ended up running in the wrong direction. I ran into people. I cut myself, and I was wearing jeans. I cut myself. <laughs> it was a mess. And I, and I remember, even still, one would think that we'd be glutton for pain, but yet again and again, we do this, and we pay money to go do this. Why do people pay to be scared? <laughs> Crazy. It's crazy. Now, there's a haunted house that's in Vegas on 15 acres. I think it's called Screamogeddon. That's what we have to hit up next year. Screamogeddon. Well, you know, there's, speaking of that, there is a haunted house that we've come across here back over in Miami. We're watching the YouTube, and if you go on YouTube, and you can find the top 10 haunted houses in America. Halloween Horror Night definitely makes the list every year from Universal. And on, on HauntWorld.com, my Halloween Horror Night is still the number one house. But there are some other houses that are gruesome. There's one where you have to sign a waiver. And it's in Virginia, oh. I believe. And they, they, they're going to kidnap you. They're going to gag you. They're going to tie you up. They're going to put you in confined spaces. And this is all over the course of, like, it could be from an hour to, like, four hours. And I'm thinking to myself, who on earth would do this? But people do it. <laughs> People are doing this. And I said, wow. I, I, I know I'm an adventure freak when it comes to haunted houses, but I think I drew my limit at that point. <laughs> because it's, Yeah, you know, I may want to draw my gun or fight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You understand what I mean. So while you're on air, I want to read a couple of questions. I got about five more questions I want to read here. Maybe you can help me answer some of them. Here goes. Okay. This is from Jason from Miami, Florida. Thanks for listening right here in our hometown, Jason. He says, I'm a photographer, and, I'm all, and I've always wanted to capture photos of haunted sites or locations. I admit that I'm a little chicken to do so. What places in South Florida do you recommend? Well, Jason, and thank you for listening. Jay Soul just sent me some really awesome stuff that I can send you. One in particular is the one called Most Haunted Places in, South, in Florida. And Jay Soul, have you ever been to St. Augustine? Uh, yes, as a kid. Okay. Not I haven't an been adult. Years. And I'm wondering, because that definitely is a, a space where there's a lot. In fact, Zora, Zora Neale Hurston, the famous African-American author, she's buried there. She's still buried. She's buried there in that town. 
and people in Eatonville, the part of Florida as well, which is allegedly haunted as well. But there are other places too um, around around South Florida. This site that you just sent me, it, it mentions Key West. It says El de Martello Fort. You have the Hemingway House in Key West, Florida, as well. I've been there. Had all these cats that hang out there because he was very into cats. And so the cats with I'm getting a signal here from one of my crew folks in the studio. What is it? It has oh, the six-toed cat. There's a six-toed. They're all the cats. They're they're actually inbred. Uh, oh, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that in itself makes a story. Oh, they're called poly what? Polydoc- polydactyl. I didn't know that, actually. Also, um, any other places you can recommend, Jay? There's a place on that list. You probably do a Google search. It's close to home. It's one of the hotels in Coral Gables. The Biltmore. The Biltmore, yes. I did that tour. I took my students about 15 years ago to the Biltmore, and every year, this time of year, I don't know if they do it now, but on a Thursday, you could go to this tour, and they take you to the 13th floor, because that building still has a 13th floor, and they take you to the room, which is called the Everglades Suite, which then used to be like a, a casino, and that's where the, co- the, co- the United States president, he likes to stay on that site, he likes to stay there as well, but some of the staff have reported Pushing the 12th floor, they end up on the 13th. Folks from the 13th get knocks on the door. There's nobody there. She took us to the site with Fats, Fats Walsh, who is a notorious gangster. He was murdered in that Everglades suite when it was a, 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 a casino. And so all these cool things. And she was a really good, scary storyteller. And she said, here, right here is where he died. And it freaked the hell out of me and all my students. But it made for a great experience. So I appreciate your sharing that because the Biltmore Jason is another good one, too. And I can share something else. That's right. Go ahead, Jay. Go ahead. I was going to share something else. For those who are price conscious conscious about these tours, you you can check out uh, what's that app that gives you discounts? Groupon. Groupon, yes. Yeah, because I'm glad you mentioned that because there are some deals, folks, who are listening in your locale, you could go on there. There are so many kind of environmental things that you could do. This is a great season for getting out in fall. There are pumpkin patches. There are all kinds of things going on. Why not seek those out? And thank you for that tip as well. I just got a note here as well from one of our listeners for the Curtis, the, the Curtis Mansion, um, which is actually the house, if, I'm, if I don't recall how the story goes, it's here in Miami, in, in, in Miami Gardens, I think it is. Where is it? In Miami Springs, there is a house, I think it was a doctor who lived there, and he was murdered. And, and, and people who've owned the house since, there have been other people with, you know, the house is in Miami Springs, which is a very notable community. People have reported uh, foul stenches or smells when there's nothing there, uh, cold spots in the house, uh, uh, dark shadows looming. So the Curtis Mansion is believed to be a, a cursed house, a, a haunted space here in South Florida as well. Very good point. Very good part. Here's another question, Jay. Let's try to get a couple more. Washington from Atlanta. So Washington from Atlanta, Georgia. So the, 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 the listener is Washington. He says, I'm a country boy who grew up with tons of scary stories and folk tales around my hometown. This time of year brings out the urge to write these stories. Where should I begin? Well, I'll say Washington. I, I said this to a, another listener a few minutes ago. Um, Rockwell, actually, I think it was. I can't recall who it was, but 
we were talking about visiting various websites and also doing your history. And you've got to do your homework. If you're going to bring, even scale things in a fictional world, do your homework and make sure that you provide believability. I'm visiting, the, um, I visited the Coral Castle. I, I'm trying to understand the Latvian immigrant life story. I need to know what it was like to be in the location so that I'm able to write about it. It does lend itself and add value to your writing experience. So you need to get out and immerse yourself in the culture that you're going to be writing about, if it exists. That is, if it exists. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, Jason. Jason. Hmm, like you say, I would just start with basic internet searches and bring a notepad and pencil and take notes. Yes. Draw yes. for inspiration. I agree. I agree. Every minute is a, is a, is a, is a precious moment for ga- capturing ideas. Here's another question, Jay. I think you'll like this one. It's from Ray, who lives in Orlando, Florida. What do you feel is the one best secret of scary movies today? Um, playing on people's psychological senses. Yep. Yep. I agree. The psychological warfare that's created by today by many by many silver screen uh, creators, I think it's awesome. And even to this day, like I was saying earlier, movies like Phantasm. Do you remember that movie? Ah, uh, vaguely. I rem- remember Serpent in the Rainbow. That was scary. Yes. That was based in Haiti, wasn't it? Yes, about the voodoo. The voodoo. That was a crazy movie. I remember that. Those movies. It was loosely based off a true story, too. Yes, it sure was. And the Mothman prophecies. Mm-hmm. Another example of this man with a moth. and It's based on true stories and accounts of unexplained calls of terror in the night. In America, there's so many, and they and they have actually a convention every year where that took place too. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. Speaking of which, you know that Edgar Allan Poe has a Poe Museum online, and there's a museum oh. where people can go and visit. And I I use it in class often. It gives in a full account of his whole life story. And every year in the anniversary of his death, people go and they do a celebrate. Like actually, they don't do it in the anniversary of his death because they're doing it right now. They're in October. They do a celebration of his life at his gravesite. So all these Poenians, I don't know what they call themselves. They're actually paying homage to this this, this very fascinating, if not macabre, author. One more for you, Jay. We got six minutes left. Let's see if I can get a couple more. This is from Ryzen from Fort Lauderdale. He says, I'm not a fan of Halloween, but I love a good scary movie or story. Where did you... Wait, let's see if I understand this question. Where did you... Oh, she wants to know, where does our fascination for horror come from? Because, you know, did you think, is it, is it family-based? I, I say for me, my grandmother loves scary stories. My mom likes scary movies, so therefore I like scary movies. <laughs> I don't know about you, Jay. How, how did this work for you? I think it's the fear of the unknown, supernatural, those type of elements. It is. You know, you're testing fate. Yep. You may not be testing fate. So I think a lot of that played into that. It does. It really does. And and I think that the more – and people are fascinated, but at the end of the day, we, we know how to detach ourselves. Because when people start believing it, then that's when it becomes another issue. And then the psychological warfare that fear can bring now enrapture you. So key folks here, and this is for Ryza especially, 
don't believe the hype. Enjoy it for what it's worth, which is entertainment. And the more that you start believing in, the more you give it credence, the more it comes to life is what I'm trying to say. Good question. Let's see. I got six minutes, four minutes. I'm going to see if I can get one more. This is from Chris from New York City, New York. Good show, Billy. I'm really enjoying it. You say that the human senses are needed in descriptive writing to paint a mental picture. Any tips are appreciated. I'll just answer this very briefly. Evoke all your human senses. People often focus on what they see and what they touch. They forget that they're also smell. Smell and taste go hand in hand. And if one is impaired, if you lose your taste buds, you often lose your, your sense of smell as well. So therefore, when you're creating fear, what, what sounds come to mind? What tastes in your mouth? Were you just chewing gum and all of a sudden you bite your tongue? There's an example how sensory details can work. Or do your hands get sweaty and balmy and like mine do whenever I'm getting nervous or I'm about to ride when I used to ride roller coasters? There was all, that, all of a sudden that, general, that adrenaline rush. So definitely those are things to consider. And one more, Jay. I'm going to see if I can pop it in. We got three minutes. Tony from Jacksonville, Florida, he says, the scariest story yet is the one made by Hurricane Matthew just a few days ago. Mother Nature is no <laughs> joke. <laughs> and we are all at her whim. I am thinking of writing a scary story about this experience. Any suggestions? I would start inspiration. Hey, when the moment hits, use uh, write down stuff on a memo pad. Use voice notes on your smartphone. And just take it from there. And You're we right. have you, Dr. Jones, who's a great <laughs> seeker of advice, they can always reach out to you. Well, thank you, brother. And I ditto that right back to Jay Soul, because you all know that Jay Soul is also a phenomenal creator himself. I he's absolutely right. You gotta be in the moment. So if you don't have anything to capture ideas, you're in trouble. Because ideas come up and they pop up at every given moment. So I appreciate that 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 recommendation, Jay, very much so. And, Tony, I think living, if you lived it, like, as I assumed you did in Jacksonville, what better way than to talk about it, memorialize it right now while you're still in the moment? But if it's too sensitive and there's been tragedy or loss, you may want to walk away from it and then come back to it later. So I don't know where that is, but we recommend that you capture every moment, whether it be photos, even if you're not a photographer. Even if you're not a pho- photographer, take photos or pictures, because you can always refer to them later. So any artifacts you can generate are appreciated. Or Jay, we're down to the last minute, and I appreciate your coming on. Anything you want to say before I let you go? I think we need to have a continuation of this show sometime in the midweek. You know what? I am with you. You know, there's been such interest, and folks, you have been sending in questions and comments that have been crazy and good. Follow up with that. So Jay, you and I can connect and see what we can do. If it's not definitely for during the week, it could be left for a latter part of the you know the following weekend. But let's see what we could do because I think that we've on to something here. And I thank you so much for coming on and being a part. You'll be my brother for life. I always say my hey, brother man, from another Likewise. Hey, Amen. <laughs> hey, and you cooler than polar bear toenails. <laughs> <laughs> so I thank you so much. Okay, I'll be in touch. Let me go ahead and close All out. Right, man. All right, later, brother. Peace. So, folks, thanks for listening to to our show here on Everyday Folks, BJ Speaks Paranormal Hour with Jay Soul. 
thank you and tune in for our other activities and exciting programming that are scheduled on my website at paulsjones.com. Again, that is billypauljones.com. We're going to be back with more Paranormal Hour. Until then, you take care and enjoy your, your afternoon.